The Dallas Cowboys lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, proved head coach Mike McCarthy wrong in a major way. And now we ask if that is getting fixed. Let's talk about it. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host. Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Thank you for tuning in to tonight uh, into the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a packed one and we'll talk a little bit about everything. Let me show you what the script says. We're going to talk about Mike McCarthy being proved wrong by the loss of the Philadelphia Eagles in one specific mindset of the team. We'll get into some film tonight. We're going to look at two plays that hurt us, but also two of the best plays of the game, uh, including that fourth and one conversion to C.D. Lamb, which was absolutely fantastic. We'll also talk about the steel issues, the terrain steel issues, and I don't believe we'll have overreaction Monday. Uh, changed uh, that last second, but we might not do overreaction Monday uh, on this one. We might, who knows, we might improvise one. Uh, I'm open to that, but welcome everyone into the show. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you something right now. Is the Cowboys, or, you know, are the Cowboys... Or should is let's go with should here. Let's go with should. Should the Cowboys approach their team and their operation with a defensive first mindset or an offensive first mindset? Let me know what do you think about that one in the chat. Offensive mindset or defensive mindset? What is the approach that the Cowboys should have to the 2023? NFL season, I'm bringing this one up because McCarthy shared a very strong take with us last year on this very topic, and he doubled down on it in 2023. In 2022, he said, this is a defensive first operation, and this is what we're going to be doing, right? So that has some meaning behind it because it also means that McCarthy is approaching this whole thing with that time of possession mindset, you know, controlling the ball, establishing the run, etc. because he wants to rest the defense. And he said it right after Kellen Moore's quote-unquote departure slash firing slash whatever you want to call it. And there's been times during this season, not in the last couple of weeks necessarily, but just going back a few weeks now, it seems like the Cowboys are doing exactly that it seems like they're prioritizing just not really letting it rip with Dak Prescott uh he said last year this is a defensive first operation in October 9th of this year and this is per the athletic uh he said I just think it's a matter of who you want to be and who you think you are I coached a team for a lot of years that was offensive driven but this team is about defense let's make no bones about it That's not a slight against the offense. We want to score as many points as everybody, and we're not playing to lose. But, you know, don't mix the message here. We're played to our defense, and that's the strength of our team. I think that McCarthy, McCarthy's words are up 
to or up to being questioned right now. Like there is some doubt about that. Let me tell you why. And then I'm going to get into the comments right here. Over the last three weeks, this has not had the looks of a defensive first operation. Now, the problem is how you approach things. And maybe the Cowboys have not approached things differently, which is a good thing. But let me explain myself here very quickly. This shouldn't be a defensive first operation because if you're optimizing for that, look at the last three weeks and it's a small sample size. But I think there might be some concerns going on right now. In the last three weeks, EPA per play, these are the rankings of the Cowboys over the last three weeks. Offensive-wise, they're the number two offense in the NFL per EPA per play. Number one, passing offense. Number 21, rushing offense, which is bottom 12 in the NFL. Defensively speaking, they're the 19th best defense, again, per EPA per play over the last three games. Past EPA, they are 15. This is not last three weeks. I'm going to be more specific. Last three games, excuse me. So that is going back to the Chargers game. And rush EPA per play-wise, they are 19th in the NFL. I bring this up because I think it matters. I think that if you are a football team and you're sending the message that you're a defensive first, defense first team, you are kind of optimizing your decision-making to win with defense. And you're being one of those teams that wants to establish the run. And even after such a successful day against the Rams, the Cowboys opened Sunday's loss to the Eagles with a run-run pass sequence. So on early downs, they rushed the football, even though they have not been doing a very good job of it this season. And even though we knew that the Eagles have one of the best early down run defense defenses in the entire NFL. And in spite of it, the Cowboys went out and they rushed twice and ended up having a three and out after the incomplete pass on third down. And I think all of these matters because you probably wouldn't be making these decisions early in the game if you acknowledged that you need to be more aggressive on offense because maybe your defense is not as elite as you make it out to be. Now, that doesn't mean that the Cowboys are still not, you know, a very good defense and one of the best defenses in the NFL, but they've looked vulnerable over the last three games. They've had some bad moments, right, in spite of of Micah Parsons being a legit defensive player of the year candidate, if not the favorite even after nine weeks of the season, even though Miles Garrett is putting up quite the effort over at Cleveland, even though you have Stephon Gilmore and Dayron Bland who has three pick sixes, you, you know, your defense is looking somewhat vulnerable. So the one thing that I am against is making decisions about how you run your offense based on the fact that you want to be a defensive team. You know, the defense needs to be optimized for being the best defense, and that means, you know, whatever you want it to mean. You want to play big nickel. You want to be aggressive with your stunts. You want to be aggressive with your blitzes. You're doing everything that you want to do to have success with your defense. That has to be the same philosophy that you have with your offense. And we talk about defensive rest, even though it's been proven wrong and false and a, as a myth again and again by significant research that has been done on it. There is not a big impact in how much time a defense spends on the bench between drives, even through the course of an entire game, doesn't make a big impact on how the defense performs when it is on the field. And again, 
Research has proved this time and time again. So you got to handle the defense, the, the offense, excuse me, the same way that you handle the offense, which is just do the best to score points and to avoid points, basically. And it sounds super silly, but when those quotes start being thrown around and you have performances like the ones that we've seen lately from the defense, I thought it was an interesting point, man, that, that we needed to touch on. Shout out to Katharina for joining the YouTube show. Uh, there's been some issues on the other side of things. I'm sorry about that. We're working to get it fixed. Uh, we are working on it, but no, we're not doing Facebook streams right now because of it. Trying to stream them to the Dallas Cowboys Fans for Life group on Facebook. But yeah, we, we're working on that. We're working hard on it. Uh, so hopefully that is fixed here over the next few days uh, at most, hopefully. Let's see some of your comments right here. Should be this should this be, excuse me, a defensive first operation or an offensive first operation? Gregory says defense. Rex says offensive mindset. Let it rip, tater chip, way too conservative. Bruce says, unless the Eagles go on a losing streak, this division is over. Travis says defense. Let's see here. If we can put up 30, our defense will step up and close the door says Rex, and that is true. That is true. Uh, now, Gregory says, I would have thought the defense would be in the top five, and I would also have thought that, but hey, last three games have not been as good for the Cowboys as we might think they are, and again, this is since week six, right? Rex Morgan says, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Sounds like the opening for We Will Rock You, except that if you open that way, then you will not be rocking anybody at least on that drive, right? Let's see here. McCarthy says he doesn't play fantasy football. Offense first. We have a downhill defense. And yeah, hopefully the Cowboys kind of acknowledge internally that they need Dak Prescott to cook. And I mean, we've seen that happen over the last three games. In the Chargers game, you were holding him back a little bit and he still won the game for you, scrambling and making big plays. Versus the Rams, he just did his thing. And the Cowboys were aggressive right from the get-go. And you saw the results. Even though the Rams are not a winning team right now, you saw the results of being aggressive against that defense. And then versus the Eagles, it kind of felt like Cowboys started conservative. And then they decided, you know what? Yeah, let's put it on deck. And even then, there were some moments where there were some questionable decisions too in terms of how aggressive they were. Now, I wanted to make that a point to start the show. And then I wanted to get into the tape here. And we're going to look at four clips specifically, four key plays of this game. One of them, one of them was perhaps one of the most aggressive decisions we've seen from Dallas this year. And it's fourth and one going for it. This is a first quarter moment in which Mike McCarthy says, you know what? We're trying to move the chains here. And I love this moment in the game from Sunday. It was my favorite play of all. But I love that the Cowboys were matching the aggressiveness from Philly. And not only that, but they went deep. They, they didn't run the football or anything like that. So let's watch the clip. Let's get into the tape. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed putting it together. This was my favorite play of the game. Now let's talk about some good stuff too here. This is perhaps my favorite play of the game. This is fourth and one. 
And the Cowboys are matching the Eagles' aggressiveness. They had already gone for it on four down earlier in the game. This is the Cowboys saying, you know what? We can do that too. And this is the play that they do it with. Four than one, so chances are the Eagles think they're running the football. And so they trust their slot cornerback with CD one-on-one. What's even better is they're showing one high in terms of the safeties, right? You can see that almost circled. But they sent CD Lamp in pre-snap motion to confirm this is man coverage. Okay, he's being followed. This is man coverage indeed. And we've got this logo, the double move route. This is all a CD Lamp play. This is a drawn-up CD Lamp play. Get number 88, you know, like when you played Madden and you went to sick like the player plays. This is it right here. And we're going to be able to watch it right now. Press coverage right here. Indeed, it is man coverage. Boom. That is a filthy, filthy route from CD Lamb. Let's watch that again right now. Let's watch that again. Man coverage, one-on-one in the slot. Oh, boy. Now, that's a big man route. Let's watch it from the end zone right now. Great work from Dak Prescott. Rush four, clean pocket. Boom. Delivers the dime right there. This is a fantastic play. Let's see if we can see the double move from here. Not entirely sure if we will. Boom. Look at that separation. Double move, uh, double move one-on-one. The safety just does not get there in time at all. Actually surprised he is to that side. But hey, probably because of run fits, I guess. What a play. That was my favorite play, as I said, in that game. But I want to get to another different play. And by the way, just going to say right now, C.D. Lamb, 191 yards. That is insane. Four games this season, over 100 yards, including the you know last couple of games where he's gone over 150. He's been just working after he called for the ball more often after the 49ers loss. Now, near the end zone, though, Dak Prescott fed another wide receiver, not CeeDee Lamb. He went with Kevontae Turpin. This might not seem like a very important play, but I guarantee you it is going to matter when we get to the Luke's Maker moment that hurt us so much. So this is Kevontae Turpin near the end zone getting the touchdown. Speaking of the good stuff, let's show Kevontae Turpin's touchdown here for a while because first and foremost, the fact that he was on the field shows that he is an absolute dog. And then I think this was a very savvy play from here because this looks like, this looks like excuse me, kind of like a return route, which is kind of deep for a return route. But I think that's just Kevontae being smart and getting into the ed- end zone, getting his feet on pay dirt, as my friend, uh, not to be tried, called it on Twitter on a Schoonmaker discussion, which is why I wanted to bring it up. I think this is smart route running from Kevontae Turpin. This is awareness. He's getting into the end zone. Because I would guess that this is usually a much shallower type route. Everyone else is running some sort of vertical route. I don't know if this is like a Cavante Turpin play all the way. But look at that. I think this is this is smart football from Cavante. I don't think this is a scrambled reel at all. And if it is, great awareness from him. I don't think it is because of the way that he breaks outside. I might be wrong though. But I wanted to point out that it does look like very savvy route running from number nine getting into the end zone 
And we'll talk about why these matters when we get to this Kuhnmaker play here in a little bit. Yeah, and this Kuhnmaker play, you already know what's being said on Twitter several times and during the broadcast and everything. It's a rub route to the left side of the field. And that means, you know, Jake Ferguson is on the outside. He's going to run to the inside and, you know, pick the defenders to really clear Lucas Kuhnmaker to the flat. And Ball, Brian Baldinger, who is an absolute beast analyzing the NFL, put together a clip on Twitter, as he usually does, where he is breaking down the play. And some people have used that clip as an argument against Dak Prescott, as if Baldy was saying, you know, Dak played this the wrong way. Because he's saying that on one side of the play, it was run properly. On the other, it wasn't. But that was not at all the point that he was trying to make. This was the point that he was trying to play. Let's break down that moment with Luke Schoonmaker, where he fell short just inches away from what would have been the go-ahead touchdown on fourth down. Let's look at it. There's a Brian Baldinger clip going around social media in which he's basically just pointing out how this route concept this rub route should be run. And his argument is that CD and Brandon Cooks to the wide side run it properly while Schoonmaker and Jake Ferguson, particularly Jake Ferguson, doesn't run it very well. And that's the point that Brian Baldiger is trying to make. But I've seen some people use it on Twitter as an argument against Dak Prescott, basically trying to say that he misread the play. That's not the case at all. I don't even think that's what Baldinger is trying to say. Look at this. This is the route that we're about to see. And I'll show you exactly why it doesn't make sense to think that Dak misread it or anything. This is a pick-a-side play. Dak knows where he wants to go pre-snap. So yeah, Brandon Cooks is wide open to the bottom of the screen, but that is simply just not the read because the read happens pre-snap. And I'm going to show you why that play isn't open right there. And the key is number 41 here, the linebacker, that we're about to see. Let me highlight it for you. Dak knows because of the structure of the defense, that is likely a blitzer. You know, you've got two players out here. You've got two cornerbacks on them. You don't have a tight end here. or You don't have the running back here. So he's unlikely to get a route over here. So the linebacker is likely blitzing on this play. And Dak probably knows that pre-snap. And he actually does get that blitz, which is right through the B-gap. And if he tries to throw it to Michael... To, to Brandon Cooks, excuse me. I mean, you tell me if that ball gets knocked out. You tell me. I think Dak makes the exact right read here. Let's watch it from the opposite end zone. That's the proper read from Dak Prescott. It happens pre-snap, though. I don't think Brian Baldinger is making a case against Dak. I think he's just showing how to run the route properly, which is visible from this end zone, uh, from this view, excuse me. Look at CD Lamp, right? Picking off the defenders and look at Schoonmaker uh, and look at Ferguson, excuse me, at the top of the screen, fail in doing that. Right? He goes through the cornerback and the safety while CD's basically making contact with his guy to interrupt the other guy. Such a tough play. Game of inches right here. Now, one thing that I don't mention on that clip that I wish I would have 
and it's what I meant with the Cavante Turpin play. We rightfully criticize Jake Ferguson for not getting the pick route correctly. He's not really, you know, getting in the way of the defenders for Schoonmaker to be wide open. But it does seem like Schoonmaker is not running the route correctly either. And I don't get to that in, and I don't get into that in that clip, but it is true. Like Schoonmaker needs to be aware of the situation. He needs to know that it's fourth down, it's touchdown or nothing. And he needs to understand, man, my feet need to go over the line. Like, you're right there in the end zone. You cannot be running across the line. You need to be right inside the end zone. And he doesn't. That's a rookie mistake in the worst possible moment. But Schoonmaker needs to do a better job of running that route for sure. And I didn't get into that because I was more talking about what Baldinger had said and everything. But I posted it on Twitter. I posted that exact same clip on Twitter. Sorry, if you want to check it out on at Mao NFL, that's M-A-U NFL. And somebody pointed out, pointed it out. Shout out to not to be tried. And he's totally right. Like Schoonmaker needs to go inside the end zone. His feet need to be inside the goal line. And he isn't. So the play is short. Now we can talk all we want about. The Eagles defender getting there earlier, we can talk all about that. I do believe that it was more of a bang-bang play when you watch it in real time. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm going to complain about plenty of other officiating moments with the acknowledgement that the Cowboys did not lose because of it. But yeah, it was definitely not a fun sequence right there. Now... Just before we get out of here, though, and not we're not getting out of here soon. We're still going to talk about Terrence Steele, but final old 22 clip right now. This is the play that hurts even more to me than the Schoonmaker play because last, you know, Sunday, Dak Prescott was balling out against the Eagles. In the NFL, though, it's a league about one play sometimes for many fans. It shouldn't be, but it is for many guys. This is where... If I was a Dak hater, and I'm not, I actually, I'm a Dak supporter. I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. I thought the only reason why the Cowboys were in it last night was because of Dak Prescott. But this play that we're about to see is a very painful one because the game could have been won on this one potentially, and it wasn't. And it's on Dak, this particular play. Let's get to it. Here we go. Now, I got to keep it real. I think that's one of the best Dak Prescott games we've ever seen. This is the tough thing about playing quarterback. Dak had 75 offensive plays on this game, including running games, uh, running plays, excuse me. This is fourth and eight. This is the not the last, last drive in which CeeDee Lamb was short four yards of the end zone, but the drive before that. And I got to tell you, man, this is a painful one. Look at Jake Ferguson here. Seems like Dak looks to his left first then kind of gets off of those reads and works the backside of the play with Jalen Tolbert on the one-on-one situation. But this this is it, man. This is where Dak needs to put it on Jake. Now, I'm not going to say that this loss is on Dak, anything like that, but I'm telling you, man, he makes this play. We're talking about a Cowboys win this week and nobody's saying anything about Dak. Well, some people might might still do it, but man, that's Jake. And I do think that's a progression. I do think that that gets off of that read very quickly. Let's watch it from the end zone to look at his face, to look at his head, excuse me, right? 
Here we go. Snap works to his left. You can see the head going left. So this is probably like a full read, full field read concept where he's going left to right. He he needs to see this. He needs to see this. At this point, Jake is open. The pocket is clean. Everything is clean. Dak Prescott puts it on Jake Ferguson there. Cowboys win the game. Probably. Man, that's that is a play that if I was a Dak Prescott hater, and again, I wouldn't evaluate a QB. This this angle is even more painful. If I if I were going off of one play to hate on Dak Prescott, gotta see the inside leverage. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a bracket or something, but it's not. You gotta see the safety turning his back to Jake. You gotta know that Jake has inside leverage. This ball needs to go to Jake Ferguson. Damn, man. Dak Prescott played a great game. They didn't lose because of him. But that's playing quarterback in the NFL, man. It sucks. He had to put it in there, man. He really did. It, it is. You can, you can hear it in my voice. I was hearing the clip. I was hearing to the clip right now. And, uh, man, you can see the hurt. You can hear the hurt, excuse me, in my voice. And that's because that play, that should have been it. I'm a huge Dak Prescott fan. I think he is, again, one of the best at it in the league. And he played a heck of a ball game yesterday. So it's difficult to really hold it against him all that much when teammates failed him elsewhere across the game. You know, we just watched the Schoonmaker play. We know about Terrence Steele. We'll talk about it a little bit in a, in a moment here. But... Man, that play, he hits it, and the conversation is entirely different today. Heck, you might even argue there are some MVP arguments to be made after that sort of performance on the road versus Philly. Oh, that's the NFL. One play makes all the difference. One play makes all the difference. And as I said, I really cannot stand, uh, I really cannot stand Dak Prescott hate. But as I said on the clip, if I was a hater, that's the picture. Heck, I would have it as a profile picture. Just Jake Ferguson with all of the inside leverage. Uh, Travis says, wow, Mao, thanks for depressing me more. LOL. I had not seen how open Ferguson was. Man, you can, you can hear it in my voice when we go to the other end zone clip, the last one, where you see the inside leverage. And it's like, oh, man. So I get what you mean, Travis. I get what you mean. I'm sorry. That's the old 22 for you. I was so excited when it came through because I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. And then, oh, damn. Thank you to Katharina for the comment. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm sorry about, you know, making you feel worse if you had not seen that. Mark says, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, Rex says that is the difference between great and good. And I understand that argument, and maybe it is a difference between elite and good. Uh, that might be fair, maybe. But I've seen elite quarterbacks miss throws or miss reads like that, too. You know, you watch film for, for other teams, you're going to see that kind of stuff pop up all the time. It's just unlucky timing, right? It's unlucky timing. Because say that he makes that throw, but he doesn't make the CeeDee Lamb throw earlier in the game. And as I said, like even elite quarterbacks are going to miss some of these throws. Say that he doesn't hit the four than one throw to CD or the Jalen Tolbert touchdown, but he does hit this one. The result is the same. It just happens 
in less painful timing, if that makes sense. So, you know, emotionally, yeah, that is the difference between a fairy tale, great quarterback, and a good quarterback, maybe. But I've seen too many fails from other quarterbacks, even in big moments where it's like, it's just an unlucky break right there. Justin says, I just got here, but it cannot depress me because I already saw this in box patron tape breakdown this afternoon. I was depressed then. Yeah, shout out to Botch. Uh, I need to subscribe to his patron for real. I always forget to do it, but man, I, I, I don't have a patron account. I need to fix that ASAP. Rex says he missed several reads like that. Again, man, you go watch a QB tape for any football team and you ask whoever you want to ask, you're going to see those moments in every single game. I don't think you're going to see a perfect progression game for any NFL quarterback, honestly. That's the way the league works, man. That's the, league, that's the way it works. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, from 1 to 10, how concerned are you about Turin Steele? Because, man, I knew his game was bad last night, but I wasn't entirely sure about how bad it was. Pro Football Focus's stats really revealed just how bad it really was, man. Terrence Steele allowed 12 pressures against the Eagles on Sunday, and he allowed four sacks on top of that. Just for, for context, to make it even worse, no teammate allowed more than three pressures on this game. Bro, 12 pressures is way too many pressures. Doesn't matter who you are playing against. Now, it is too many in several ways. Because you know the trend still is struggling, and that is bad in and of itself. But you also didn't seem to come up with an answer for the game. There wasn't chipping to help Terrence Steele, at least in those big-time plays where Terrence Steele pressures really killed drives. So it's one of those situations where you're like, okay, this is bad on Terrence Steele, but it's also a bad look on the coaching staff up to some point. They didn't seem to have an answer to really mitigate that at all throughout this one. So just something to monitor. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter, then why did Mike McCarthy not bench him? And I'm like, who are you going to play? You don't have a better right tackle than Terrence Steele. That's just the truth, the, the truth of it. And you just paid him, by the way. So Terrence Steele is not going anywhere, but it is one of those situations where, man, you're like, okay, I am concerned. From 1 to 10, how much are you concerned? Let's see what you guys have to say here. Uh, Katharina says 10. Gregory says 12.8. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, 10 says Travis. He seems like a classic guy that got the money bag and just quit trying. Katharina says Steele was really bad last night. Rich goes with an 8. Tom915 goes with a 10. I will go with a 7 because I do know that, you know, he's a you, you could do much worse. You could do much worse than Terrence Steele in this league specifically where NFL teams are desperate for any sort of help on the offensive line. So you've got a very solid right tackle. He's struggled, though, this season. He really has struggled. Uh, they asked Mike McCarthy today if it had anything to do with the injury, and that is something that you know we cannot know for sure. But this was Mike McCarthy's answer. He said, 
like anything, anytime anyone has a major joint injury, that first year back, it is a challenge. There are things he has to continue to work through because of the injury, but yes, it wasn't his best game. He did add, though, that he wasn't using the medical situation as an excuse, and he said he's definitely still fighting back a little bit from the injury. Now, man, uh, gotta, gotta say this. Does seem like a little bit of an excuse, right? It's just, maybe it's just the circumstance. Maybe it's just the situation of the whole thing. But we cannot really know if it has to do with the injury or not. But if it doesn't, then make that 7 8 100 for me. Because then Terence Steele is probably not the guy we thought he was, right? But we've seen some good stuff from Steele before. It was just a reminder that he maybe is in that like surefire right tackle that will leave you this preoccupied by whatever, unpreoccupied by whatever is going on on the right side of the offensive line. He's somebody that's going to need help in certain situations because we saw him struggle versus San Francisco. We saw him struggle versus the Eagles. That is one weak spot for your offense. And I don't think that we perceived the right tackle spot as a weakness entering the season and moving forward. It has to be considered that. It has to be. Let's see here. Tommy says, I don't think that he's not trying. I think he's not all the way back from the AZL. I'll say that too. I, I Especially with somebody like Steele, that you know about his hardworking ethic. Remember when we talked to Michael Gelkin here on the show, Insider for the Dallas Morning News, he was very, very insightful in talking about that Turin Steele work ethic and how hard he works. Everyone who talks about Turin Steele seems to feel the same way. So I will never believe that it's because, you know, oh, I got paid, so I'm just going to lay back now. That's not what's happening. He's either struggling because of just his level of play or he's struggling because of the injury. I would much rather have it be because of the injury because that would mean that he's going to be fully back later on, even if it's not in 2023. But for now, it is a concern. Shout out to Gregory. I need to... I need to look into that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a note down. I'm a boomer. <laughs> I really am a boomer. So every time that you guys ask me for a Grinch, I got to admit, <laughs> I don't know how to give you one. <laughs> but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask uh, Sky to see what we can, what, what we can do about it. So I just wrote a note down here. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Shout out to Gregory who is always here on the show. I appreciate you. Uh, shout out to everyone who tuned into the show tonight. That will be it for me on tonight's A to Z Sports Dallas Primetime. Thank you so much for tuning in. Special shout out to Katharina and Peter Riso, who I saw uh, tuning on YouTube. I appreciate the hustle that, you know, it's not being streamed on Facebook. So you guys found your ways uh, to the YouTube channel. That's love, and I, I appreciate it. I notice it for sure. Thank you so much, and I'll see you el día de mañana. Muchísimas gracias. Bye-bye.